1: The best run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game changing technologies and strategies to shake up the status quo in human resources and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the game changers, you're in absolutely the right place. Today's topic well, we're going to be talking about HR for startups. Guess what? You don't think there's much to it, it's much more important than you think. Let's get started heads up startup founders you know who you are or those of you who might have that gleam in your eye and you're thinking about starting up a startup guess what if developing an HR department is the last thing on your mind well we all know you probably say anybody could do it endorse a paycheck write up some employee rules if that's all you think somebody just to manage the benefits and the checks you're not on the right path why bother with HR at an early stage of company maturity I know you're asking the answer is because a core HR function even at a startup level, can take the burden of admin and compliance off your back. You don't want them there. Putting those tasks with people who are trained HR human capital experts, they know how to handle the issues, will let you focus your energy where it should be, on your organization's innovation mission. You've got a business to run. You've got a vision and a mission to take to the next level. Isn't that why you started the company? Do you really want to run HR or have... That person at that desk do it just because we have a great panel today, and I'm going to start off with my first expert. It's Mark Stelzner. He's the founder and managing principal of IAHR. That's ia-hr.com, and Mark sent me a wonderful quote from Salvador Dali. I think this is Dali's first appearance on HR Trends with Game Changers as well as Mark Stelsner's. and the quote is... Have no fear of perfection. You'll never reach it. Wow. Talk about a slap in the face. Mark (laughs) Stelzner, how are you?
2: Good morning. Good afternoon, wherever you are, Bonnie. Nice to be here today from San Francisco. Mm -hmm.
0: Wonderful. Talk to me. Interesting quote. We love Salvador Dali, and now he's on a business talk show. I bet he'd be surprised. Why did (laughs) you pick this quote, Mark? Talk to me.
2: I mean, let's be honest, we're talking about startups and um, living here in the the heart of innovation in uh, Northern California, Silicon Valley, if you are striving for perfection, you never launch. And in in the guise of today's market of immediacy, it's speed, it's efficiency, it's effectiveness. No one has the luxury of perfection and particularly in the context of human resources and our constantly changing regulatory and legislative environment, you must be agile, you must be ready for anything to come at you, and you must be able to dynamically assemble the talent you need. So if you seek perfection, you can never move, you can never advance, and you certainly won't progress relative to your competition. So I find that those that uh, strive for perfection are largely disappointed, both personally and professionally. So thus my desire to pull Dally into the conversation this morning.
0: Thank you, Mark. And you mentioned in your one of your opening sentences here, you said something about getting the people you need, the talent you need. Mark, isn't the the issue here that startups are thinking we don't need anybody who's talented and special and trained for HR? Maybe that person, I don't want to say that girl or that guy at the next desk, well, they don't have a lot to do. Maybe they can just do it. We'll teach them how to endorse a paycheck. Isn't that part of the issue is they don't realize
2: Yeah, I think think it depends on where you came from. I think certainly many emerging organizations tend to lean on an administrative assistant, even an intern, to process what's perceived to be a very transactional set of needs in support of their human resources organization, but if we we look around the market and look, unfortunately, for negative examples like we just saw from GitHub a couple months ago Mm -hmm. where uh, harassment basically took down the founder uh, over the course Mm -hmm. of a multi-month investigation, it's become painfully clear that organizations that don't focus on their human capital, whether it's strategic in terms of talent management and acquisition or whether it's transactional in terms of making sure that you're following the rules, it can come back to bite you in a fairly material way.
0: Thank you. I do remember that case, and that was, yes, 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 we'll leave it there. Thank you very much. Nothing like bringing in the news. Lori, our next panelist is Lori Rudiman. She's the creator of the Cynical Girl and Punk Rock HR, and Lori sent me a quote from Hunter S. Thompson. I think it's his first time on the show as well, as well as Lori's, and here's the quote. Who is the happier man? He who has braved the storm of life and lived, or he who has stayed securely onshore and merely existed? Wow. Lori Rudeman, welcome. How are you today? I'm great, Bonnie. How are you doing? Does anybody ask you that? Do we care? (laughs) We do. How are you, Bonnie? I am so happy to be here with all of you. Thank you, Lori. That's very kind. You don't sound cynical at all. Tell me just to drop who is a cynical girl, and then let's talk about your Hunter S. Thompson quote. You're so sweet.
3: Oh, well, thank you. Well, years ago, I worked in human resources, and I had to have two personalities. One was this cynical woman who didn't put up with anybody else's nonsense, and my other personality is my normal, bubbly, outgoing self. And so when I decided to write and speak for a living, I adopted the cynical girl personality as my blog. So that's my story
0: right there. Thank you very much. Good to know. You don't sound cynical at all to me today. And thank you for the how are you question. I appreciate that. So talk to me, this quote about braving the storm and living or staying safe and secure on the shore and merely existing. Relate that to our topic, please, Laurie. Sure. No
3: problem. Well, I believe that most entrepreneurs start their companies because they feel the status quo is just so intolerable. So entrepreneurs, in my opinion, need to create and disrupt and they really fight this need to conform. And so the Hunter S. Thompson quote is perfect for me because, in my opinion, entrepreneurs have no idea being on a calm beach. They want to be out there where action is happening,
0: where you know the world is disruptive and they want to solve problems. Okay. Thank you, Laurie. Wonderful opening. We've got good, good feedback so far from Mark and Laurie on our topic, which is HR for startups. More important than you think. By the way, stick around. You're going to hear many more reasons. Let's round out the panel with our third person today. It's Natasha Loeffler Little. She is from Success Factor. She's a leader of product management for small and medium businesses. So she's perfect for this discussion. And Natasha sent me this quote from, well, here is the most quoted person living or not on all of SAP radio we have 10 series by the way it's albert einstein that was a pop quiz in case you didn't recognize it and the quote is i have no special talent i am only passionately curious i love that natasha welcome how are you i'm well thank you and i'm so happy to be here with everybody today
4: and 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 thanks for everybody for listening in today
0: so, Natasha, tell us about this quote, and why did you pick Albert Einstein? Wonderful quote, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I think aside
4: from the fact that it's uh, characteristic of explaining myself, uh, sort of a jack-of-all-trades, and, and I really think uh, whether you're talking about children or uh, to some people their company is their baby, uh, or even large enterprises, I think that central to all of this is you know, developing people, and I think this is the other side of HR, aside from the compliance factor. You know, I've spent the last about four years specifically studying talent management, and especially how uh, small businesses can adopt that sooner and even sort of later in the game. How do you, how do you get employees engaged? And and you know, we could talk about this millennial thing later, but. Um, you know, I think having that, that core, like, just being curious as a way to develop yourself and your company and getting to the root of problems, that's what promotes growth. That's what promotes um, successful businesses. And uh, and like I said, you know, I also picked it just because for myself, I think, um, you know, it's just important to to be curious. You don't necessarily have to have hard skills or competencies. You can always develop those.
0: I think that's a great story. And now relate that to our topic today that startups do need to focus on getting the right people in the right positions to do the right job for HR. What's your thought on that, Natasha?
4: Well, I mean, again, I've you know, looked at this from small to super mega enterprises, and I think the theme is always consistent that if you don't have some kind of structure in place, Mm -hmm. By the time you need it, things are chaotic, people start quitting, so you lose your most important asset, which is your talent, and you also lose the ability to actually execute. So looking at formalizing HR with HR experts is insanely, you know, important early on, you know, no matter how small you are.
0: I love insanely important. I've never heard yeah. that before. <laughs> I have a feeling by the end of the show that you and Mark Stelsner and Lori Ruderman are going to convince our our listeners that it is insanely important, or it's insane mm-hmm. not to have it, not to consider it important. I have a, a question for the three of you. You've all been prepped, so you know what's coming. I'm going to start out with Mark Stelsner at IAHR, and I'm going to ask Mark, what's in your cup today? What are you drinking, or what do you wish you were drinking, or what are you going to pour right after the show? take any one of those three. Mark, go ahead.
2: Well, Bonnie, I, I have the most rare of beverages here in uh, Northern California, which is a cup of water. Um, <laughs> we have been in a drought for so long yes. and I'm enjoying yes. San Francisco's finest from the Hetch Hetchy Re- Reservoir since rain is, uh, rain is something we don't get much of these days. So I'm gently sipping on a cup of tap water, which is just wonderful and delicious.
0: Nobody's ever said it quite that poetically on this show, Mark. <laughs> I thank you for that. That was lovely. I'm not even going to ask you if it's room temperature or refrigerator chilled or ice cubes. I don't want to know. We're just it's, going to enjoy that. It. With Let's just call it, it what it is. It's tough. Okay. Thank you. Lori Rudeman, what are you drinking?
3: Well, I don't mean to follow Mark and copy him, but I'm also drinking water. But I have a little bonus inside of my water. I have added an electrolyte mix because I'm currently preparing for a marathon and so right now it's really important for me to stay hydrated to make sure my salt level is appropriate whatever the heck that means and so i've got my water i've got some electrolyte mix in it and i am trying to chug this down and enjoy it
0: wonderful well we're very proud of you when and where is the marathon Lori? oh the the marathon is here in north carolina
3: where i currently live in the research triangle area and it's on Mm -hmm. november 2nd and i have to tell you Water, even with an electrolyte mix, is so much better than, you know, sweet, nasty
0: Gatorade. So, for me, I'm I'm happy. I'm enjoying it. I'm glad. I'll be down in your neck of the woods for Thanksgiving. I'll be in uh, the Durham area. I think I told you that. Family is moving there. So, I'll be down. I'll wave to you when I get there. Please, and please, please do. Please I will. And, Natasha, what are you drinking today?
4: <laughs> I'm not – I do have water at my desk. I also have tea, uh, two types, and then I – just made a green juice with a uh, cucumber, kale, apple, carrot, celery. Uh, delicious, actually.
0: <laughs> wow, that sounds interesting. You have a blender there or, or something um, you made I at home? I to use with? a Breville juicer.
4: I'm a total geek for health and nutrition um, and also apparently staying very well hydrated. I'm not currently training for a marathon, but I'm just a, a huge...
0: Um, I like to
4: say I like to use my kitchen as my medicine cabinet.
0: I love that. You know what? The three of you have inspired me. I took a sip of water while you were sharing your story, so thank you. (laughs) Just a New York tap water, a Long Island tap water chilled with a a Pink straw makes it very, very special. <laughs> they don't let me have caffeine on radio show days. I wonder why. Guess what? We're talking today to Mark Stelsner, Lori Rudeman, Natasha Loeffler-Little. Our topic today is HR for startups, a lot more important than you think. We have a great panel, a lot more to discuss. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back in 90 seconds. You don't want to miss the roundtable. Michael, out.
1: always talking business talk to an expert call now toll-free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network with companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today hr tactics must be comprehensive and precise Today's reality, your organization is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges, and more. The bottom line, you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. H.R. Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. H.R. Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to H.R. Trends with Game Changers
0: very important topic for those of you out there who have started a startup who are thinking about it or who have a company that's a little past startup stage. We're going to start off our roundtable, 30 minutes nonstop, with my first panelist up. It's Mark Stelzner. Mark, before we start with your first talking point, tell me, what is IA-HR.com? Just uh, give us a little information, please.
2: Sure, absolutely. What we do is we help uh, large and emerging enterprises with three things. We help uh, executives with business cases for change, so if they're uh, planning on fundamentally overhauling their HR function. We then do a tremendous amount of HR service provider selection, so those lovely folks that are powering payroll and benefits and making sure that your organization is staying alive and in compliance every single day. And then we do a lot of project management to bring those ideas to life. Uh, great clients, uh, very fortunate to be in the position we are in the market today.
0: Wonderful. Good. Very much. And, Mark, let's start with this talking point you sent me before the show. You say, increasingly complex legislative and regulatory environment necessitates a strong, knowledgeable HR function. This sounds like... a pardon me, a damn good reason for taking HR seriously, not from the employee standpoint, but from management leadership, founder, owner. Talk to us, Mark. Let's get started on this, and then we will invite Lori Rudiman and Natasha Loffler little to chime in. Go ahead.
2: Absolutely, and I think for emerging organizations, nothing turns your face crimson more than receiving that lovely letter from the Department of Labor or the IRS or another governing body, particularly with healthcare reform coming. And I use crimson because I'm I'm trying to eat through my word a day calendar, so just thought I'd pepper that in there. But um, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Where you work uh, defines how you work. And uh, take San Francisco, for example. San Francisco now requires that you provide uh, commuting support on behalf of your organization and their employees if you have greater than 50 people. So as you start to ponder geographic expansion, the footprint of your expanding organization, you have to think about the municipal, state, local, federal Uh, international implications of uh, constantly changing regulatory reform and legislative changes. For most of our clients, when we do an audit of this, it results in five to six hundred changes a year. And so if you think about even large enterprises who may have a storied and, and fairly senior HR function, it is virtually impossible for anyone to stay abreast of that multitude of changes. And so this is why leaning on third parties, across all the facets of your HR function is becoming more and more required. It's a a necessity. It's no longer a luxury. It's something that organizations need Mm -hmm. to invest in if they're going to remain in compliance, unfortunately.
0: Mark, it sounds like they need to build a budget item in from the get-go to do whatever they need to get the right Human capital people is—is is that something that would should go right up front in the business plan rather than ah we'll just handle it? Is that the way to really hit the ground running in yeah, the right direction? And I
2: think there's hard and soft costs. I mean, certainly there's risk avoidance and you know your risk or investment function, um, you know, third-party VC or private equity firm. If you're uh, if you're funded through those mechanisms, can absolutely point to prior examples of when those letters did come in, when those grievances were filed, and the cost to your organization and the cost to your reputation. You know, we're finding that these governing bodies are doing a great job of embarrassing organizations. They'll put out press releases. They'll Mm. announce the fact that organizations X, Y, and Z were found to be out of compliance and will be paying, you know, tens of thousands or in some cases millions of dollars in wage and hour losses because they're not tracking their time appropriately. And some of this is just basic blocking and tackling. And so investing to get it right up front is both cost avoidance associated with the risk and penalties of the future mm-hmm. but also something that sets your organization up for the future is as you're out pitching clients and maybe you're pitching many larger organizations than yourselves, they also may want to audit your people practices to determine whether or not they perceive any risk in doing business with you. And this comes in the form of insurance. It can come in, in, in any number of different ways. But you know, budgeting ahead of time and setting yourself up is really a, a best practice for those organizations that, that pay plan for growth and there is a there is a point where this becomes more and more important which is really 50 employees but even mm-hmm. for those organizations with less than 50 employees this is not something to be ignored
0: thank you very much mark great start to this thread Lori rudiman can't wait to hear what you have to say about the topic of legislation and compliance and being embarrassed by the authorities omg who wants that can't be cynical about that that's the real world Lori, talk to us That is the real
3: world. And you know, it's difficult to follow Mark, because he's so incredibly brilliant on this. But I will say that many entrepreneurs decide, okay, I'm going to make an investment in human resources. And they budget for one headcount. And they hire a woman or a man to come in. And they put the incredible burden of saving the organization on one human being. So maybe they've budgeted I don't know, $100,000, $150,000, but they are going to bring somebody in who is an expert in human resources. And unfortunately, that is a lot of pressure for one HR person. And also, that is not the way that the world of human resources works. While it is okay to have someone who has a general knowledge or maybe has a background in employment law or in being a director at an organization, unfortunately, HR is very complex. It is very nuanced. And so when thinking about building your support system at a new company, whether you have fewer than 50 employees or more, what you really want to think about is not necessarily budgeting for the full-time headcount, but really acquiring a good suite of services to make sure that your needs are met. So it could be that maybe for a couple months out of the year, you're employing a lawyer, then for a few more months, you're hiring a recruiter. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you do bring on someone who heads up that human resources function, but you give them enough tools or you arm them with enough budget to go out and get the resources that they need to support your organization at the most appropriate time. So I can't stress enough how oftentimes entrepreneurs will say, well, I hired a director of talent. I wonder why Mm -hmm. people are mad at me. And that's not going to solve the problem, Bonnie.
0: Thank you very much, Lori. Great words of wisdom. Okay, Natasha, thoughts on this topic. (laughs) What do you think? I know you have something to add. Go ahead. Yeah, I have a couple things to add. I
4: think, you know, having worked for several small companies, I think there's one case that also hasn't been covered here, which is sometimes, you know, due to organic growth, you like the person who's maybe doing more administrative work today. They're a people person. They're organized. And somebody says, you know what, you'd make a great HR person, and then they might go start taking some courses and and get some of the basics to get the certification done. but. I echo Lori's point, which is, you know, this, this really, especially when you're running small uh, and lean, you know, you're, you're trying to grow revenue, you're trying to build a team, you really need, in your hire of a, a first, you know, sort of HR person, it really should be more of a strategic hire who can be a partner to your executive team. To be responsible for, you know, there's the knowledge, the HR knowledge, but there's also the how do we shape the organization? Do we have recruiting needs right now? Okay, then this is the recruiter we need to bring on. Do we have uh, formalized, you know, legal type work that we have to do? Do we have formal learning that we need to take care of, like sexual harassment training or particular onboarding documents, which then goes into what Mark was talking about, which is really, really important, especially if you're going to think about having an international footprint, you know, um, especially at SAP, we're a German-based company, so I'm mm-hmm. very familiar with the uh, complexities in Europe compared to the States, right? So these things, I would say, you know, I would echo Lori's point that you need to get somebody in there early and that it is really, I would add to it and just say it should be somebody who can be a strategic partner to help you shape the organization. And if you look at it that way earlier, you're just going to save yourself a lot of work. And I think that's the point. You could do it later. You know, you could get mm-hmm. a letter from the board of, uh, you know, the labor board. You can get uh, other problems at some other point. But it's really important that if you want to just hit the ground running faster than your competition, you know, just get the get the the bricks laid correctly the first time.
0: Very well put. I like that picture. So I'm going to go around the table for the whole panel and ask, we talked about the cliff of when you get to 50 employees, you really seriously need, insanely seriously need to have a a talented, trained, knowledgeable, sorry for that, but it's so good, uh, person in charge of HR. How soon before that? Mark, a question for you. Is is it something you do, as I mentioned, in the business plan and you start when you've got your core of maybe eight or ten people? Yeah, that's HR sitting over there and she's having coffee because. There's not too much to do now, but don't worry, we'll really need her. Where's that lower cliff where you have to bring that person in and get them involved in the growth of the company? Mark and then Lori and then Natasha, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I mean, building on what Natasha and Lori have just stated, I mean, get rid of that transactional crap. Get that off your desk. Mm -hmm. You can outsource it. There are hundreds of choices now. We're seeing more venture and private equity funding Uh, HR service providers that are built solely for the purposes of supporting small employers, that from day one you should not be processing payroll. You should not be determining eligibility for benefits. You should get all of that garbage off your desk and out. And what you should do and what should be in the business plan is that talent acquisition and retention. What's the personality of your firm? What's the key? What are the key stakeholders and key positions that you need to fill and how are you going to fill them? And if you focus on that side of your people, almost every other facet of human resources can be outsourced to a third party. And so I feel passionate about the fact that, especially in a small business, you cannot afford to make a bad hire. And so investing in that portion of the human capital value chain is disproportionately uh, higher in terms of the return you will see relative to everything else that a third party can pick up.
0: Thank you. Laurie Grunemann, join us. What do you think about what Mark added and your thoughts? Is it a day one or is it closer to 50 hires or somewhere in the middle?
3: Well, I think you're looking for a number, Bonnie, and that's a pickle because those numbers can be very dangerous. But that being said, I'm going to throw one out. I like to advise people that if they have $1 million in revenue or 10 employees, They need someone in human resources. So that person can be someone who's young and someone who's relatively new and, you know, understanding the concerns of someone who doesn't have experience in HR and is moving from an administrative role. You would have to invest in that person to get an education, to get a certification. But I like the number of 10 people or $1 million in revenue. I don't know how you feel about that, Mark or Natasha, but I think that's a good um, low-level cliff.
4: Yeah, I Natasha. Good, yeah, I think that is a great, um, you know, rule of thumb. You know, I'm here born and raised in Silicon Valley, so I'm used to a lot of the startup culture and mentality, and I think in some cases that's not necessarily appropriate, but I think the, the revenue indicator is a good one to have as your backup because you could be 10 people and running really, really strong, but if you're starting to see that your numbers are going in a certain direction and that you've pivoted in a particular growth direction, your talent and your ability to, for your talent to execute on that becomes a lot more difficult when you go outside of your core group. You know, so when you start thinking about how some startups originally start, whether it's software or it's something else, I think that's a really great uh,
0: uh, baseline. Good. Thank you all. The reason I asked for numbers, and I appreciated the pickle comment. we got some very interesting language here on the show today. Um, the uh, the comments from all three of you is important because listeners are probably thinking, well, what what does this mean to me? When do I take action? What are the important levels I have to be very aware of? So we've given a day one a level of $50 million, 10 employees. So we've got a lot of good things for them to to chew on, and that's important. Lori Rudiman, I'm going to start into a new direction, slightly new direction, ask you to lead on this thread. You told me in your notes before the show, you said most entrepreneurs start their companies because the status quo is intolerable. Then you add everything that a traditional HR department represents, and we know that's payroll, compliance, risk mitigation, is counterintuitive to a founder's mentality. But here's the kicker, Lori. You added some of the best HR professionals I know think like founders. I love the way you tied that all up. So Lori, talk to us about this, please.
3: Yes, absolutely. I am very fascinated by the psychodemographic makeup of the human resources community. And I think there is a stereotype around HR professionals that they're, quite honestly, a little bit older, a little slower, a little dowdy. They drink Diet Coke. They order shoes from Zappos. And when it comes to really creative and innovative thinking, they're just not there. From my perspective, I now travel around the world, and I can say this, I've been to four countries this year and 22 states. So just this year, I've seen quite a few HR ladies, and they're not all ladies. Some of them are dudes, too. So the stereotype of human resources being slow and focused on compliance is really just that. It's a stereotype. And I think what you have emerging now in the human resources community are people who have been around long enough to have seen the emergence of the social web and the cloud and really, really great tools. And you also have a younger generation that's emerging, people who are passionate about things, honestly, that I didn't care about 20 years ago, like culture. 20 years ago, nobody was talking about culture. But today, we recognize that as being one of the key differentiators for small and big businesses alike. So really, from my perspective, What I'm seeing is a complete title change in this world, in the world of human resources. And gone are the days when we're just organizing company picnics and 5Ks. And really all of that is important. And some of it's even kind of fun. But from Mm -hmm. my really interesting vantage point, I'm meeting with great men and women around the world who are interested in technology. They're interested in, you know, mobile devices. They're interested in really thinking about taking the world of work and improving it. And, you know, HR sits at this really interesting intersection of work, power, politics, and money. And when I was growing up in this field, nobody in HR really recognized the power that we had and the influence that we had on economies and even on governments. But when President Barack Obama came to office, one of the very first pieces of legislation he signed was the Lilly Ledbetter Act. That's an HR act. So it tells me that the worlds of work, power, politics, and money are really intersecting in cool and unique ways. And from my perspective, there's no better place to be in a company than in human resources. So if you have a stereotype, if you have a viewpoint of HR, throw it out the window because you're probably wrong.
0: Wow, that was powerful, Lori. Thank you, Natasha. Respond there. We had the shoes, and we had the slow, and we had the dowdy, and and now it's yeah. the most exciting place to be in in the professional world. I love it, Lori. Natasha, thoughts on this, and then we'll ask Mark as well. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, I was really, really excited when uh, you had given me the brief that this was one of the quotes coming over because I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, when you talk about, uh, especially, I think it's you know, first time. Startups or first-time CEOs who have not done this and or maybe haven't seen an organization, they don't like innately understand how HR can really be the puppet master behind the curtain really running the show like Lori just uh, referred to um, that they don't, they don't sort of have that. They, they had an amazing idea to disrupt the status quo, right? They had something, and they just want to get that done. And uh, I think, you know, because of the it's their first time, it's new, there's so many pieces. There's a lot that goes into getting a startup running outside of just compliance and paying your employees and, you know, building stuff. You've got to get funding. You've got to keep things going, get sales, marketing. Um, they don't get how they can leverage... Human resources expert, and so I really do think you know they sometimes they might associate them with some of the things we were just talking about, organizing 5Ks and making sure people have benefits, um, and and really it's the question like how do I leverage you and going back I mean I like to use the word culture because I think it's sort of a good term that. Summarizes the way we have, have engages employ, excuse me have employees mm-hmm. engage uh, the way we have them execute on the things we want them to, um, and that they're you know happy at work right they're happy they're healthy they're doing what they're supposed to and they
0: stay with us. Thank you, Natasha. Mark Stelzner, why don't you in on this thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a bit of a squirrely time, honestly, for for HR leaders and for emerging enterprises. I mean, on on one point you have these advocates for employees, right? You're supposed to be a brand ambassador. You're supposed to be attracting all these great individuals to the organization. But does what the organization professes to be in terms of culture, in terms of of brand, in terms of ideation, is that truly representative of who the organization is? So I think you know sometimes these uh, these h r folks are brought in and they struggle with the cognitive dissonance of whether the the brand and an employer presentation is in fact aspirational versus actually being representative of who the company is today and then you end up dealing unfortunately if if it is aspirational with those that are disappointed because they were sold on a promise while well, at the same time. You know, folks have to be the enforcers, so you have to be the employer's advocate. And you have to bring the hammer down on untoward behavior or or terrible activities on behalf of these employees. So I think, you know, particularly in these emerging organizations, it's a tough road to hoe. It's tough to be a jack-of-all-trades, to be an expert, to be an advocate for both parties and still go home at night and and not drink yourself to death, to be honest. (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and I find what's hilarious is when you get HR people together, when you go to these conferences, um, you know this is the first time you get to hear real stories of what be happen- happens mm-hmm. behind the scenes and what's keeping these people up at night. And I think what Lori touched on is these are still people; these are humans; these are not robots that are there to do the the HR bidding uh, of the founders or the board. We we have to remember that there's still a human element of human resources. And you know, I, Lori and I have joked about this for years. But this whole notion of what HR is and what HR could be is, is completely counter to what we're seeing in today's organizations. And it's proven by virtue of the fact that as organizations grow, they're starting to bring in other functional leaders to lead this function. So people are brought in from marketing or operations, um, you know, other lines of business that say, listen, we want to bring that same business knowledge uh, and prowess to the HR function. HR doesn't need to wait for that to happen. HR is comprised of leaders today, but I think it's a struggle. I think it's a squirrely time.
0: Thank you. I was just quoting you on on Twitter at hashtag SAP Radio, where we're having a lot of fun tweeting right now. Mark, I was going to ask you in the panel a few minutes ago, it sounded to me from the conversation as though HR, this is a great time to say, I want to be an HR professional. I want to be an HR manager. That's my aspiration for my career. And now, after what you just said, I'm thinking... Drinking themselves to death, not sleeping at night. I don't know, kids. First, we're telling the startups, you got to have somebody. And I was saying, how in the heck are you going to find anybody for that kind of a role? Laurie, why don't you chime in on this before we wrap up this thread, and then we're going to go to something from Natasha's notes. Talk to me, Lori. Laurie. Yeah, you know, I
3: heard Mark talk about coming down with a hammer and focusing on compliance. I think today's modern HR professional uses more of a velvet hammer. I think that's the way we do it. And we also realize that, you know, a lot of the work that we do in human resources isn't our responsibility. Good HR sits on a bed of ethics and sits on a bed of great behaviors that are supposed to come down from your executives. So if I do my job right in human resources, I never have to talk to anybody about their behaviors because leaders are really addressing those issues. And I get to focus on more fun things
0: like, I don't know, mobile, local, social, global, cool stuff like that. Okay. Thank you very much. Natasha, anything you want to finish up on this one before I go to something else with you? No, I couldn't
4: agree more. I mean, plain
0: and simple, it's
4: just, it is, it's really, um, it's an important topic, and I think that we've, we've summed it up pretty well.
0: Good. Now, we're going to go in a slightly different direction. We've got about eight minutes left to our break, so let's see where we go with this. Natasha, I'm looking at your notes before the show. You had some interesting points here. This is a little scary, but then we've been going into scary territory for the past 20 minutes, so why stop now? Managers, Natasha says, managers are not always promoted for having great management skills, OMG. And she adds, historically, we have built heavy HR process tools to push down on managers, but we should start to provide employees with more tools to manage up as well. It sounds prophetic as well as damning at the same time. <laughs> Natasha, start us on this, and then we will have Mark and Laurie chime in. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, when asked for quotes, I just couldn't resist this one because, again, you know, I've studied talent management in particular for super mega enterprises and, um, you know, also small businesses down to, you know, five to ten people. And I've worked for some of these different sized companies as well, and I just, it's sort of universally true, and, and no matter how you get there, I just see that uh, because of the way HR has been positioned or sort of mentally framed for people as uh, not the strategic uh, personality that we've been talking about here, uh, that they're looked at, you know, to provide um, to provide tools and, and process mm-hmm. for managers. Hey, you know, follow this, fill out a performance review, um, make sure your employees have goals, uh, make sure you have your one-on-one meetings, you know, that, and, and make sure that by the end of the year you hit this number or you complete this task. And I think that, that's fine, but the sort of the nature of, I don't know, most people, if you look at, like, an industrial organizational psychology view, is that they don't want to be told what to do. And they want to be, you want to find ways to intrinsically motivate people. And I think, um, you know, you you just start to see it, especially as a company gets larger or when a company needs to quickly pivot and change direction. It's hard when managers have not been managing their talent. If they don't have a good grasp on that, if, if employees themselves don't have a good grasp on how to manage up, or what they're supposed to really be working on, it's hard for them to adapt to change too. And then we have all of these same things happening where people leave or, um, you know, there's a huge, uh, there's a mini industry emerging now with proper offboarding because of social media. Somebody can just blast you and just leave mm-hmm. you hanging with, you know, nasty notes on Glassdoor or uh, Twitter or Facebook, whatever it might be, um, I just see that, you know, if you look at the cascading effects of, of not having ways to enable employees, and again, I think software tools mostly, but I think that there's other things that an organization or HR could do to make sure that employees have a way to know what they should be working on and have a voice and sort of space to express their voice about mm-hmm. what they want to do and how they can contribute to making the company successful.
0: Thank you, Natasha. Sounds like that may be a reason for people to join a startup, to take that risk, to leave the comfort and the uh, the, the blankie of mm-hmm. having a job in a bigger company where everything's in place and go in and say, wow, now I'll have a chance to make a difference, to speak my mind, to impact the policies of the company and work with HR more closely instead of from a distance. Mark Stelzner, thoughts on this?
2: I mean, I run a small business and it's pretty simple. You treat people like adults. I mean, that's it. You, you hire people in. You communicate effectively, and, and maybe that's something that we should hammer on again. You communicate effectively. This is all born of either poor or solid communication. And so at, at the end of the day, you know, you don't treat your people like balsa wood or they're going to break, they're absolutely going to break. And so you give them a platform where they can communicate to their managers. You give them a means of escalation if that's not effective. And you treat people like the adults that they are. And if they don't behave like adults, you can't, you know, unfortunately deploy a moron detector. But if people are going to blast someone on the way out and offboarding, then guess what? That was never a good hire in the first place. So... You can only do the best that you can. You can only expect people to perform to the best of their ability, and you can only communicate openly and honestly. And the rest is, is unfortunately, no software tool can necessarily control for that. You can do background checks, mm-hmm. and you can certainly uh, apply heuristics and try to determine best fit and best match, and many organizations absolutely do. But at the end of the day, we're talking about people. So make sure your managers mm-hmm. know they should be talking to them early and often.
0: Very well put, of course, as always, Lori Rudiman thoughts on this one. yeah, I'm mad that I didn't lock
3: down that smart offboarding segment. Oh my God, what an easy technology. Man, I should own that market. So I'm kind of mad about that now that I heard that. Um, I really think that it's very easy for startups to get very excited about technology. And if you tell a founder you don't have to hire an HR professional, you can just, you know, uh, acquire certain pieces of software or trade. There's a lot of trading and bartering of software and services in the founder and entrepreneurial industries. This will solve your HR problem. You're absolutely wrong. And just to echo Mark's point, it's really important to just have a good set of morals and ethics and invest your time in creating your mission, vision, and values, and also your company handbook so you know who you are and what you're all about. And if you start there, and it generally, unfortunately, starts with an employment lawyer, if you get those good core practices in place, uh, generally speaking, you're going to be okay. Okay.
0: Okay. Natasha, you want to wrap up on this one? And then I have a little mini-thread I want to take out with uh, Mark Stelzer before we go to break in just about two minutes. Natasha, anything you want to add?
4: Yeah, I guess the first thing is to Lori. You can still you can be a disruptor, and you can still penetrate any market you want. Um, so go ahead. <laughs> and. Uh, the second thing was, uh, you know, I think it's true. I think, um, you know, again, I come from a background of building software and studying how businesses do things, so I always hold out hope that there is some way, in addition, you always have to have a multifaceted approach, but that there is some way that the increasing awareness and usage of software, particularly mobile, um, that these types of things could eventually help solve this problem, right? There are a lot of advantages to that, so I 100% with, agree with you guys, but, you know, just from where I'm sitting, I'm I would hope that you know at some point in the near future we figure it out to make that more streamlined and, and less costly and we could do it quicker. Right.
0: Thank you, Natasha. Mark Stelzner, I want to touch on one thing. I don't think we exactly brought this up. We alluded to it. You, you told me in the notes, HR for emerging businesses should be buy versus build. Don't expect an admin to grow into your HR department. That part we touched, but buy versus build. Why don't you give a little bit of advice to our listeners, please, Mark?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think at the end of the day, as I, as I mentioned earlier, you can absolutely find uh, third parties that can care for a disproportionately high percentage of your transactional orientation. And so, um, you know, building someone into an expert in this function is very, very difficult, and you need to hire seasoned people. Um, there's third-party service providers certainly for part of it. But at the end of the day, if you expect that that great people person, administrative assistant to figure out, first of all, which certification body is actually going to survive, given everything that's happening in our profession right now, a different topic perhaps, um, it's very difficult to expect that person to grow in time with the fast-paced emerging enterprise of today's market. And so I don't think you can afford to train someone into this function. I think you absolutely have to hire in.
3: Okay. Laurie, you agree? Well, you know, I think this is kind of going down a rabbit hole. But I will say that um, just to expand on my point earlier about trading and bartering software, you know, no software and no service supplements common sense. And so whatever kind of HR support you get, whether it's um, technology or a human being, just do your due diligence, just like you would hire like a programmer or an engineer, and you would hire someone you like and someone you trust Apply those really great and thoughtful skills to HR professionals, and, you know, you'll probably
0: be okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Guess what? You've all earned a break. You have more than earned a break. What a great conversation. We're going to go out for about 90 seconds, and when we come back, I think you all know the drill. It's time for predictions. Mark Stelzner, I want you to spend that 90 seconds diligently looking for a wonderful crystal ball. When you come back, I'm going to ask you if we we – fast forward – to the year 2020 or any day, week, month, year, or era that you can see in that crystal ball, what would we be saying about the evolution of HR in startups at that point in time? Lori, I'll ask you to go next, and Natasha, third. I think we'll have about two minutes apiece, so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial predictions coming in. Don't want to miss this one. We'll be right back. Michael, out. (music)
1: to date business and financial news call now and get the financial information you need 866-472-5790 472 5790 the experts are here voice america business network with companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today hr tactics must be comprehensive and precise Today's reality, your organization is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges and more. The bottom line? You need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. hr trends with game changers presented by sap email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at twitter hashtag s-a-p-r-a-d-i-o now let's get back to hr trends with game changers
0: and my panel told me they went out and found a crystal ball, polished it off, and they're looking in it right now as I speak. Time to turn it over to Mark Stelsner, founder and managing principal of ia-hr.com. Mark, if we look at 2020, is that a good year, not so good a year? How far can you see and what will happen to HR in small companies, in startups by that year? Talk to me.
2: Yeah, I think I think it's much of the same. I mean, I think if we look at the startup side versus HR, we will continue to live in a borderless economy. So these businesses will have to go where their business takes them. And what that means is a tremendous amount of flexibility and elasticity. And if... You think about the cascading effect of that that means the need to dynamically assemble people where and when you need them so you know we've talked about this for years so I don't think this is really an original idea but the concept of a free agent nation if you if you look at many many large organizations today uh, you know maybe three four years ago they were leaning on 20% contract labor Today, that's looking more like 40 or 50% contract labor, and much of this is as a result of the economic downturn, where certainly the HR function and organizational leaders don't want to have to go through the mass terminations that we went through in 2008 and 2009, but part of it is smart business, Uh, the desire to not necessarily hire a full-time equivalent and all the burden that comes with it, but instead to look at what the requirements of your business will be, where your business will be physically and who you will be serving and as a result go out and use all of your resources including your human resources to find secure and perhaps on board in a contract form those personnel only for as long as you need them and in the process of dynamically assembling that talent cherry pick from the best and brightest to determine those you would convert to be part of your ongoing organization as an employee And I think this does change the face and facet uh, of HR and also requires HR to partner much more strategically with procurement, because Mm -hmm. typically, especially as you get into larger organizations, procurement owns that contract labor pool. We're certainly starting to see that change as talent leaders uh, continue to emerge in these organizations. But at the end of the day, you have to be flexible. You have to be dynamic. And then we see, uh, again, a, a point I've just hammered on mercilessly over the last hour the government is going to impose more and more on you. And so you've got to have touch points. You've got to have reach in every geography where you have a footprint. And you've got to feel confident and competent enough to be able to support your organization as they're pondering the entry into new locations. So again, if I'm a small company and I'm saying I'm here in downtown San Francisco, well, it's kind of expensive. Maybe I'm investigating Oregon or a suburb of Seattle. Mm-hmm. You know, as I'm part of the management team and as I'm contemplating those geographic locations, I need to think about what the HR impact is of also moving the company. So there, there are big changes afoot. It's not going to change. The same old nonsense that we've been talking about in HR for three decades is always going to be here. So by 2020, yeah, you know, we're going to see more flexibility, more elasticity, but a lot's going to be exactly the same as it is today.
0: Ah, that old French phrase I love so much, "Marc plus ça change, plus elle a la même chose." Yes. We? <laughs> oh, we, good. Okay, we we, we 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 got one. Mark, I just have to make a comment. It reminds me back in the day when I was uh, doing some marketing work for some banks in New York and, and we had the advent of something we fondly called desktop publishing. I think you and Lori probably remember those days. I'm pretty sure Natasha's too young, but in those days they thought they could buy, a, what was it, a page maker software. Uh, quark was a little bit after that and give it to anybody and i'll use the phrase advisedly we don't say it anymore the secretary sitting at the corner desk give her page maker and tell her to design a newsletter and we'll have a newsletter right remember those days mark yep. anybody could do it well they were wrong and we we all proved that one okay let's turn to Lori mudeman Lori, how far in the future does your crystal ball show you what do you want to predict for us well, I just have to say, I don't know what
3: the hell PageMaker
0: is. So you old people, and, you know, recognize <laughs> oh, <essays>. oh, honey, <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. Saying. Wow, did I put no, my foot no, in that I'm one? I'm teasing, I'm teasing. <laughs> okay. So my
3: crystal ball for 2020 predicts that Hillary Clinton will be running for her second term in office. So I'm going to get that <laughs> out there. And I really think what you will see, first and foremost, is a new era of leadership with women at the helm of more and more boards, I think this is really important, which will ultimately change some initiatives around diversity and inclusion and fair pay and equal treatment and work-life balance. I really think those are the issues that we're going to see emerge in the next 10 to 15 years. But beyond that, I really do believe there will be the same old focus on the same old stuff, but with a weird twist. More and more, HR will be focused to defend their decisions with data. So data-driven decisions will be the new trend for the next five to ten years. You know, no longer is it okay to trust your gut and I hear this from CEOs and Fortune 50 companies, as well as startup companies. They still make hires. They still make business deals based on their gut. And I love it because they're oftentimes more right than wrong, and the arrogance is certainly justified. But I think, you know, with all of the tools out there, with all of the data that's being collected, with all of the patterns that we're starting to see, it'll be really important for human resources to take a step back and if their leaders aren't doing it, they should do it themselves and really focus on data-driven
0: decision-making. Thank you, Lori. Perfect timing. And Natasha, I can give you exactly, let's take two minutes on the dot. Predictions, go. Okay, great. You know, I
4: really think that in 2020, the the key is going to be agility, agility of executives, agility of employees. I think the, the CEO's And executive boards and staff that get it, everything we just talked about here, that HR is a strategic partner and that they are the key to managing your foundation, which is your talent, those are the companies that are going to disrupt the enterprise landscape. And we're going to see. I, I think that there will be a very interesting migration of the workforce and sort of a Darwinian thing happening with uh, the right people in the right place at the right time, you know, leaving larger companies, going into startups, startups disrupting that enterprise space. Uh, and I think, again, you know, having everything we just talked about here, I couldn't echo those same thoughts as much about having data. That, that's one factor that gives that to you, right, that lets you make decisions quickly and how are you going to pivot. Um, having the right compliance, all of this stuff is going to be insanely important. So I agree. I don't think there's going to be anything monumentally different, but you know, in six, five to six years, you could see a lot of disruption happening with the companies that figure it out correctly.
0: Good. Disruption is a good thing. Figure it out correctly goes with that very nicely. I want to thank my panelists. We've had quite a lively conversation. Mark Stelsner, Lori Rudeman, Natasha Lawler, Loffler Little, I got it all right. I have to do a shout-out to Jennifer McAdams for sponsoring this show. Stephen Thorne has been tweeting madly away. A shout-out to Sylvia Lennon, still on personal time off PTO and Malcolm Kimberlin. Michael and the Business Channel team, and I have my, let's see, I've got about 30 seconds here. I have my predictions, and they're all tied up in a nice red bow. Uh, HR Trends, Mondays, as you know, tomorrow, Financial Excellence with Game Changers, Tuesday at 9.00. Pacific in the morning. Coffee Break with Game Changers, my flagship show. That's Wednesday's 8 a.m. Pacific and Wednesday afternoon. This week, we will debut the Internet of Things with Game Changers. How exciting. Next Wednesday, we'll have the Customer Edge with Game Changers. And this Thursday, we will have another episode of Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. And the week after, Thursday morning, will be Future of Business. If you're confused, I'm trying not to be. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We've had a very lively conversation here on HR Trends with Game Changers Radio talking about HR for startups, more important than you think. I think you're all convinced by now. Everyone have a great day, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.